Welcome to Cauldron of Worlds. Episode 17, Questions and Answers. Well, hello and welcome to Cauldron Worlds. I'm Chad Corr. This is episode 17, and we're going to be doing what is going to be different insofar as episodes are concerned, and that is we're going to have a first Q&A episode. It's taken me a while to get to this place, but I think we're ready now to kind of take a moment and answer some questions, cover some uh, comments and things, and share a little bit more information about what's going on and what might be the benefit to you outside of our normal process of doing the macro-to-micro approach of world building. And for those of you who might be interested in sharing some basic information, uh, next episodes of future Q&A sessions with me, you can send questions, you can share commentary with me by sending an email to cauldron, that's C-A-U-L-D-R-O-N, at chadcorey.com. And I'd be more than happy to uh, look at what you sent, if it's commentary, information, questions, and such, and see if I can incorporate that in a future episode and provide some answers to, um, to whatever you're sending my way. Obviously, if there's multiple questions or commentary on the same topic or general topic, shall we say, I'll look to incorporate that in a more broad-based question or approach and see, like I said, to the best of my ability how I can answer questions or take that commentary and improve the, the podcast overall for everyone's benefit. I'm also, like I've been saying in the past, just kind of curious to see who who has been checking it out, who has been listening to it, where it's actually reaching, and uh, people are subscribing or just coming across it haphazardly or accidentally, shall we say, kind of how that is uh, taking place. So that being said, let me do a quick transition here into a little PR here from other stuff going on and make you aware that Triumph of the Wizard King, the third book in the Wizard King trilogy, is available for pre-order. And that is available on digital, uh, print, and audiobook. And it's available, I believe, in any location now. It should be or would be very quickly after this is recorded. And that includes libraries, bookstores, online stores, sites, uh, wherever you can find books all over the world. It is available, and you should have the ability to order it or pre-order it, shall I say, at this point in time. It will be coming out August 31st, and it is the last book in the Wizard King trilogy. The first two books, Return of the Wizard King and Trial of the Wizard King, are presently out and about in the book wild, and you can take advantage of those as well, Whether you know, whatever your preference might be for formats or localities of book dispensaries, shall we say. All right, so that's that for a little PR there. Thank you for uh, checking in with that. I appreciate that. Uh, now, basically for the Q&A session, what I thought I want to do this time is kind of answer some general questions that usually come up when I used to do a bunch of talks. Uh, well, not a bunch. I used to do several talks uh, about world building, had a little class and things I taught a while back and had some information that came in, questions that came in and such, and then usually we're kind of along the same lines. And so I'm taking some of those to begin with, and that will be kind of the premise for our first Q&A session here. And then we'll see what comes in in the future and uh, put that in there with uh, the next episode whenever that uh, gets scheduled here. The One of the first questions I usually get is how how big do I make my world? Or I guess a second part of that is how do I know the world is done? So the first part is how big do you make your world? Well, basically that really depends on what you're making your world for. And if you're familiar with what I started out this whole podcast series about was helping you figure out, first of all, how you want to use your world setting. What do you want to do with it? 
Is it going to be for a role-playing game setting, for a board game, a card game, uh, I don't know, an action figure universe, or a computer game, traditional books, comics, short stories, some type of new media system, audio dramas. I mean, there's a whole lot of things you can do with it. And the question is, what you know, what do you want to do with it? And that basically kind of begins to establish the parameters of what needs to be accomplished and what needs to be done in the overall world. For instance, if you have a world that is primarily going to be on the comic side of things, you will have to do some elements of you know world design as far as history and background and setting and stuff like that, but it's going to be a more visually intensive type of endeavor, and so you're going to want to have uh, focus more on some visual aspects, but also as well, uh, you, you're not, though it has the potential to be grandiose, normally with comic scripts, you're not doing something that is truly world-spanning type of storytelling, if that makes sense. You're usually focused on certain elements or installments of that story. And depending on if you're doing a graphic novel or a comic book or, or things like that. So that's kind of limiting the initial area where you're going to introduce people and it's limiting the area where you're going to tell your story. And so that in and of itself will help give you a parameter of where you want to do with your work, what do you want to do with your uh, world setting, how big you want to make it, and, and, and so on and so forth. With traditional print and stuff, which I do a lot of work in right now, for me, it comes down to the overall, I just want to have the world setting basically figured out, established on the, the parameters and the, the, I guess you can say the guidelines and the basic overview, the broad strokes, if you will. And that for me is where I initially started and where I tend to start for most of the projects that I undertake. I've learned after several years of trial and error that it, it's kind of, well, it's nice to have everything fleshed out and you will get to that point in time where you have a lot more information presented and uh, and accomplished, shall we say, with the world setting. It does help you in designing the world, but you don't have to have all your T's crossed and I's dotted to start writing a story or telling a tale in the world setting. If it, if the parameters and the basic concept are in place and the basic structure is in place, and what I mean by that is what we've been talking about, the, the you know, if you got a general broad view approach of history, of the basic idea of how big the, the world is, what what is the world, what it looks like, general topics we've been talking about so far, even just recently about the different belief systems and religions and stuff like that. You don't have to have every single detail of every single aspect of the world setting finished before you do something with it. What I would recommend is having the segment that most pertains to what you want to initially write about, have that figured out first, as close as you can. Again, it doesn't have to be like a really deep dive nitty gritty kind of thing, but just have a concept in place of what to some extent, what you want to use for your background for your story. So, for instance, if you're going to set it in a, in a part of the country that is kind of crucial to the story, then work on getting that part of the country fleshed out, doing some more detail work on that aspect of the world. And then naturally what's going to happen as you do that, you're going to start figuring out things, how they connect to other parts, and you're going to start writing more of the world setting just like that. And it's a very organic process as well when you're telling the story that you're going to incorporate parts of that story into the world itself and things will come out of that story and things will connect to that story and it will go kind of flow from there. It's not always a neat, precise process in, in world building. Sometimes it's a back and forth. It's 
got very messy sometimes, very organic, and you just don't have to be afraid to go in and retweak things, redesign things, and but also don't have that analysis paralysis kind of concept where you don't want to get into doing something because it's not not totally finished yet or don't have all the answers yet. Because for me at least, I don't know, I don't have all the answers obviously, but I, I've found just in the brief time I've been doing this that you, you, you're never really 100% done with the world building because there's always something new that's coming along. The history is always going on. You know, There's always little nuances and things that can be put together, or little things that you might have to do to get the next story in place and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's fun to get close to getting it done and thinking it's done for that time period, and that's great. It feels it's a great accomplishment. But there's usually always something else that crops up later on, or you'll find yourself needing to kind of flesh out a little bit more uh, from previous work and stuff. So again, how, like I said, hopefully that answers part of the question, how big it is. Like I said, it really depends on what you want to accomplish with it, and that'll determine the, the basic region or area or timeline or whatever you want to work with for that story. And then obviously, as you do the next story, the next event, whatever, you work on developing that, fleshing that out, and going from there. You know, that's that's one option. The other option, like I said, is you can just really go whole hog and uh, make the whole world, get that completed, and then begin to do the process of, of writing and developing stuff in there too. And you can do, do that too. And some people like to do that, more of a completist kind of mindset, and that works too. It just sometimes takes a little bit longer, but also gives you a whole bunch of ideas for stories and things along the way too. So either option is great, but you know, one is obviously more advantageous to having things written up a little bit earlier, unless you're really fast and have a lot of time in your hands and uh, want to get the world finished up quickly, you, you know, might want to go that route too. As far as how big the world is, um, I think I kind of cover part of that, but you, you make it as big as you want. And how finishes it is, like I said, it's, it's really, really up to you what you want to do on it. Some questions um, I'm paraphrasing here again is I've received over the years too, or just some conversations I've had with people, is along the lines of how original should I be concerned about making the world setting? How how unique, how standalone should I be? You know, focused on making my world setting. Should I be? You know, is it okay to use elements of other established properties or mythology or other things like that to? build the foundation of the world setting or twist it around or things like that? Or should I try and do everything whole cloth and original and, you know, unique from the beginning? Well, you know, what, what do you recommend? And so in those conversations, in those things, again, it really depends on what you're building, what you're trying to establish for the world setting in general. What I would recommend and what I just encourage people to say, look, you, you can't copyright mythology, okay? And that's, you're going to be hard-pressed in today's world, especially our super-saturated hyper-pop culture world, you're going to be really hard-pressed to find yourself not incorporating even subconsciously some elements or aspects of pop culture or history or mythology or, or something because it's all out there and it's all it permeates everything we do just about in every way. I mean, there's so many elements and so many different levers. There's so many different layers and levels of it out there. It's just hard to escape. So you shouldn't be surprised that you know you have some of that in your, your work. I know for myself, like I said, I, I'm not afraid to take concepts of mythology and history and stuff like that because that, that you can't copyright, you can't uh, you know, get in trouble doing. I would recommend, though, that you try and, try and make it, like I said in previous episodes, try and make an original spin on it. Make it something unique in your own to some extent. You're not going to have, I don't think anyone has 100% unique 
uh, concept anymore. I mean, we might have had that, you know, 300, 500 years ago or something when we're still making things up. But even back then, they were taking elements of other classical legends and stories and things and, and, and adopting them and making them their own for their own purposes. So, I mean, it's, we've been doing this for, for centuries as, as human beings making stories and such. So it's nothing nothing incredibly new to incorporate elements of, of popular culture and, and previous iterations of stories and fiction and stuff into our, our works. And so, I, like I said, don't be afraid of doing that, but just try and find ways in which you can make yours a little bit different, a little bit more unique. I mean, if you really stopped and sat down and looked at a lot of the stuff out there, a lot of it shares similarities with each other. A lot of it has elements of things that we'd recommend if we just broke it down and, and looked at it hard enough. We'd find, okay, that's really this and that's really that. It's always what I've been you know, hearing from people in the business and other things is it's how something is executed. It's not necessarily the idea itself because we all know there's movies that are that are pretty much the same in a lot of ways. I mean, how many ways are formatic and stuff like that, but it's how they're executed. It's the way they're put together it's the way they're you know the story progresses a certain way the the aesthetic of the visual for movies or things like that i mean how many times have we seen classic mythology quote-unquote reinvented or retold it's just it's the same thing it's just how it was implemented how it was executed so have that kind of mindset when you make your world setting and don't the problem comes in is when you you originally come into your concept or your world trying to take something that's already established and making it your own. I've, you know, this happens quite a bit initially when people are just get introduced to fantasy, for instance. Maybe they're big Tolkien fans, and suddenly all they want to do now is write Tolkien. And, you know, that's great if you want to, you know, do that for fan fiction or something or for your personal benefit, but you're not going to get very far writing everything just like Tolkien. Um, you're going to be called the Tolkien knockoff or, or whatever, and if you do something that is basically someone else's work, you just, you know changing the name here or there, that's that's not enough to, to you know, skate by necessarily because they're pretty free, especially in larger properties, they're pretty uh, vigilant about enforcing their copyrights and control and stuff like that. And the same thing's true. A lot of people get their start in, in you know, Dungeons & Dragons or you know, Pathfinder or whatever the new role-playing game is when the people are listening to this in the future. It's, it's great that you're inspired by something and that gives you some ideas and the impetus to want to go out and do something, but it's not necessarily a wise idea to copy something that inspired you whole cloth. Like I said, you don't want to take everything that you have just read or seen or played or done or whatever and basically just carbon copy or lift it and put it in your world and it's called the same, looks the same, acts the same, smells the same, sounds the same. You, you just It, it doesn't, doesn't bode well. It doesn't go well. And it actually does a disservice to you because you're not really creating something. You're just copying something. And that's it doesn't do well for you. It doesn't necessarily do well for your readers. And it just it's just better to find... It's good to find inspiration for something. We talked about that in early episodes of the podcast while getting a, a touchstone or, or idea that resonates with you. But find what, what about that resonates with you and use that for the core elements and aspects of your world setting. So don't necessarily go for the trappings of the world setting in their entirety, but get to the heart of what it is that you are interested in and what inspires you and use that for your world setting. And that's kind of what will keep you on the right path as far as making it more your words, your style, your ideas, more so than anything else. But then then you don't have to be worried if some things flip it. And they will. I mean, there's only so many types of monsters you can incorporate in a world setting, I mean, so many villains, so many, you know, that follow the same path. I mean, there's, it's, there's only so many things that you can do 
before it becomes, you know, aspects or repetitive, you know, so don't, don't be necessarily too concerned about that. I mean, everybody, there's only so many ways to do a dragon. I mean, honestly, there's, <laughs> there's a big lizard that can or cannot breathe fire, usually winged. And it's been done several different ways, and they've been interesting in many of those ways. But like I said, you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel every time and all those things. But the big thing is the way you execute and the way you implement the original idea and concept of the world is the key element of which you want to focus. And that, if you do that and get that right from the beginning, you're not going to have necessarily a major concern with people saying, you know, you stole my idea, or this is basically a ripoff of, you know, Tolkien or D&D or whatever the, the flavor of the month is at the time that this podcast is being listened to. So that's kind of what I encourage people to do and, uh, and, and think about when they get into their world setting. Okay, I think we got time for one more here. Let me kind of get into it real quick here. Another question or, I guess, discussion or commentary that comes in play when we ever talk to people about world building or things like that or, or that nature. Sometimes I'm asked um, what or how many worlds have I created or how long have I been doing world creation. Uh, again, I'll reference back to the this this podcast, uh, trial trial Behind the Scenes, where I talked a little bit about actually kind of a great deal about world creation for Trollodron and gave you a history of the timeline and how long that took. And that was, I think, at, oh man, drawing kind of a mini blank here, but I'm probably close to a little under 30 years or things like that for that world setting. But that took some time to develop and flesh out and, and grow. And now I'm at the point now where, you know, it's fully, almost, almost fully completed, but it took a lot of time to get there. And there's a lot of developments, like I was saying earlier in that uh, Q&A question session there, about doing the broad strokes, you'll you'll always be building something. I you know I was for, and I still am doing some well, fleshing out and developing the different elements of that world setting. But as far as overall making worlds, I don't have an exact count right now. I mean, I've made so many <laughs> partial ones over the years that never finished. I've completed some that I just kind of set aside and didn't do anything with, and I'm actually in the process of developing some new ones with some plans to kind of go forward with some new projects and things, even working on one right now as I'm recording this. Um, generally, I, I think it's probably safe to say that I've probably done in the ballpark in the last, oh, like we said, 20, 30 years, probably in the ballpark of 10 to 12, maybe even 15 different uh, world settings in some way, shape, or form if you want to incorporate uh, the partial worlds or partial designs that were done and created and things, the ones that never really got off the ground initially or partially done or, or half used and then kind of recycled and, and turned into other things. Uh, like I said, 15 is probably a high estimate. I probably guess a 10 would be kind of a safer average on general. But I'm looking to build ideally probably around 12 worlds in general for that I'm using for, for basic uh, projects and stuff going forward. And I haven't, uh, you know, completed that yet. So I, like I said, 12 is a, a good safe estimate. As I continue going, we'll probably get up to like 15 or so in general that I've created over the years, maybe more than that. Again, I've lost track over the years of what was been and hasn't uh, been completed. So I've had some experience doing that. And these have been for different projects as well. I've done them for, actually done some for plays, oddly enough, that I was writing back in the day, scripts and things like that done some for role-playing games, comic books, short stories, novellas, novels, um, just just about everything. I think I even did something for like a, yeah, I think maybe like a movie or something, comic books and things like that. So again, it's just been so many, <laughs> so many worlds <laughs> over the years that I've uh, tried to develop or flesh out. Uh, not all of them stayed, obviously, 
because I kind of, you know, lost track of them because I couldn't recall them just, just then. But there's been enough. There's been plenty. And a lot of the stuff that I'm sharing on these podcasts has come from my experiences of knowing what not to do and knowing how to save time and energy and effort and, and money and such to not get into um, the same mistakes that I've done. So kind of learning from what I've done and, and not do it. That's kind of been the whole, one of the whole impetuses here for this this podcast in general. So I think, you know, how many more am I going to be doing or what what variety have I done? I think I answered that part too. You know, I've, I've written for, like I said, comics, role-playing games, uh, podcasts, regular traditional novels, graphic novels, um, just about everything, audio a little bit for audio. I haven't really got too much into that, but scripts for plays, for little drama things, um, just about anything, really. Um, I've done some some writing and some work for. So, and then I usually that I've tried to do some type of creative project for that as well. So, like I said, got a little bit of a variety of, of, of things to tap into and, and share with people from my own experiences um, in the, the trenches, as it were, putting that all together. So I think that will kind of wrap up this particular episode. Hopefully what I share was of a, of a benefit to you, of an insight to you in some way, shape, or form. If it sparks some more questions that you wanted to learn, or if you had some more commentary on what was shared and wanted to kind of impart some things, maybe we can talk about it or discuss it in greater detail on a future podcast episode. Feel free to send me the email at cauldron at chadcorey.com, and I will see about putting that together and incorporating that into another future episode or seeing if it's something that I can incorporate into ongoing episodes in general if it's that kind of situation. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. I do appreciate that and I will see you next episode. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.